Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is wedding service planning. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so my very first question, having been married a very, very long time, <laughs> do you still have to go through some sort of counseling before you get married by somebody of an official cloth of some sort? It is recommended. Okay. It is definitely recommended. Some states will still give you a discount on your marriage license. Really? Mm-hmm. In Tennessee, they give you a discount if you have done a certain amount of hours with someone beforehand, and that can be certified with a notary. And so I think Tennessee, maybe I think it was maybe Massachusetts. I can neither confirm nor deny Iowa because it has been way too long since I've done this <laughs> to remember what I went through. Don't give it away. So yeah, and the laws change, but... In some states, not in Oregon or Washington, you don't get a discount here right now currently if you have any counseling ahead of time for your license, but it is recommended, and I certainly offer and give people a chance Mm -hmm. to be able to do it. I don't do a hefty unless a couple really wants to dig in and do a hefty one. If a couple is coming to me last minute and can't get anything scheduled until right before the ceremony, then we do the work, we get the information in, and then we have our meeting, and then I keep that information, and we have it so that when they come back to talk to me, when things get challenging, we know where we started. Okay. But you don't require it either for anybody that you would marry? I don't. This is my take on it. Mm -hmm. And other people will have a different take on it. But my take is that in this current contemporary culture, people are going to get married. True. They're going to get married whether I tell them it's a good idea or not. And if a couple has come to me and they ask to do premarital counseling and I get their profile back and there are red flags left, right, and center all over their profile, Mm -hmm. I can look at them and say, this is not a good idea. You should cancel your plans and you've got a lot of work to do. And likely what they're going to do is feel really bad and guilty and filled with shame and go find a justice of the peace or someone else. Mm -hmm. And then when things get really hard, because they're going to, because marriage is really, really hard, Mm -hmm. they're not going to come back to me or to the community to be with them in the midst of the hard because they're afraid of the I told you so's and they're ashamed. Sure. So I look at the red flags and I sit down and I say, okay, we've got some great information here. We've got some areas where you have some real strengths and we have some areas that are some real growing edges. We have some opportunities to learn some new things and we have a community that loves you and is going to be here with you through the great parts and through the really hard parts of marriage. And I'm so excited to be on this journey with you and I stay with them through all of it as much as they invite me to be present with them. And then I pray for them because marriage is really hard. Mm -hmm. And wedding days are filled with pressure. 
pressure from family, pressure from stories from childhood, pressure from a wedding industry that is a monstrosity. Mm -hmm. And while wedding days come and go, it is the marriage that I am the most concerned about. And so I help them plan for their wedding day and I celebrate with them on their wedding day. And then I'm present for their marriage. It sounds like an excellent plan to me. Now, it used to be back in the day that the bride was the one who basically dictated either who was going to marry you or what church you were going to marry or what denomination. I'm going to guess that that doesn't necessarily hold true anymore. I think it really depends on the couple. Okay. Some couples are more traditional than other couples. It really depends on the couple, on the family system, on what traditions the families are kind of sticking to. It's fascinating how things change now. Mm -hmm. And especially now when same-gendered couples are out there and all a part of all of this. So if you have two brides... You got two brides picking the denomination Mm -hmm. and the place and the location. So it's really all up in the air. Okay, so let's say they've come to you. Clearly, ELCA Lutheran is where we're at. Mm -hmm. Where do you start from there? So I have a document that was given to me by my internship supervisor Mm -hmm. that I have expanded over the decades. It is a document of about 14 pages. Wait, wait, wait. Your internship. Mm -hmm. So not something that's coming from seminary. Correct. Okay. Not from the seminary. This is something that she had from somewhere Uh and had compiled and gave to me while I was on internship. And I have just added to it, changed it, updated it through the decades as I have worked on it. Okay. And so I have two documents. One of them is like a cover sheet that has my contact information on the top, and then like little headings of the basic order of service. Okay. And the flow of what goes with like little blanks and where you put the numbers. And then this 14-page document of a bunch of different choices. Okay. So you'll have presentation of the couple, and you've got four different choices for how the couple might wish to be presented. So if you want a very traditional, the father figure is going to present a bride, Mm -hmm. then there is an option for that. If you want a child of one of the spouses to present their parent, then that is an option. And you choose which number you want, and you put it in the little choose-your-own-adventure form. Okay. And then it goes all the way through. Over the years, the document has become more and more diverse. Oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Right? So it already had in the readings a huge section of like biblical scriptures and then poetry, Mm -hmm. readings from anonymous sources, readings from Rumi and E.E. Cummings and all kinds of different things. And then there are pieces from the Book of Common Prayer or the traditional LBW wedding service. Mm -hmm. I added in the ELW wedding service pieces. So all of those kinds of different options are in the document as selections that can be chosen, along with other alternatives. And then 
I've added in like for today we gather together to bless this man and woman. Then I'll also have in there, like in parentheses, it'll be man and woman, these people, mm-hmm. our grooms, our brides, mm-hmm. right? Giving the opportunity for gender diversity mm-hmm. to be reflected within the couples. Covering all bases. Covering all bases and giving opportunity again for the couples to really hone in on what it is that they're looking for to be representative of the service for them. And then the couple sits down and chooses what they want throughout the service for each of the different pieces. And they send me back the form all filled in. And I copy and paste it all over into (laughs) a Word document and massage the flow a little bit, make sure it all makes sense and everything is going to work together. And then that becomes the ceremony. I'm fascinated. What does it usually end up being because when I was a kid, the Catholic ceremonies, we had a lot more steps. They tended to be longer things. But when I turned Lutheran and my own Lutheran ceremony was pretty quick. 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. What do people usually throw in there or what has fallen by the wayside these days? Are people still singing hymns? Do they still have a couple of readings? What's coming and going? So no hymns. No hymns. No hymns usually. There's usually like music as you walk in and music as you walk out. Okay. But no music in the middle. Um, Usually people have, like they walk in, maybe someone is presented, maybe not. Maybe something is said at the presentation, maybe not. There's usually like a welcome and an opening prayer and then a couple of readings between one and three different readings. Okay. Maybe just the presider does the readings. Maybe some family members do the readings. A little homilette. Okay. <laughs> a little sneeze of a babbly from me. I try to keep it literally to one page. One page? Which is one what? One page. A couple of minutes? Because you're usually preaching on an average Sunday, what, 10 to 15? Yeah, thereabouts. So this is like three to five. Okay. Maybe I think the wedding that I did last week was like three paragraphs total. Okay. Does that change depending on how much you know the people getting married? Not really. Or you because really just keep it quick and dirty. I keep it really quick and simple because you've got, depending upon whether or not people have been outside for very long or you never know how things are going in people's attention spans and mm-hmm. they're not really there to hear me and... Mm-hmm. I just wrap it up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. They're there to hear the vows. That's what it's about. So I keep it focused on them. And especially when we're talking about couples with mixed religious status. Sure. I'm not going to turn the homily into a big religious piece when one of the members of the wedding party the bride or the groom mm-hmm. is not religious. Mm-hmm. You're not there to sort of get new followers? No. <laughs> it's not the point of the wedding. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's not going to help. It's <laughs> not going to bring anyone over that day. I, more bees with honey. Sure. Yeah. Keep it short and sweet. Does that make them harder to write as little mini homilies rather than something on a Sunday? Or is it easier just because it is shorter? Uh, shorter is often harder than longer. Okay. 
Shorter is almost always harder than longer to write because you have to be succinct. You got to get it out quick. But it is what it is. I mean, you're really just trying to celebrate them. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you've got something good. Hopefully you found the thing that made them sparkle and you can celebrate that sparkle. You don't have like a, here's my basic homily for all the weddings and you just kind of judge it for each individual one. I have an ending that I do with each couple that has become my tradition. So my ending with each couple for the homily is to ask them as part of the preparatory, if you only had three words to describe your partner, what three words would you choose? Wow. I hope they have prior knowledge of this because that would be... They don't. Oh, wow. I mean, (laughs) usually by this point, like they're so in love and they're so, they're really excited for their wedding day. And normally this question is asked the week of their wedding. Mm -hmm. So it's very sweet what they say. And usually it's been after a pretty long and extensive conversation and a pretty intense one. Okay. And so I use those words. I key those words in. They are the only ones who know those words key back to that conversation. Okay. I don't say in our premarital conversation where we (laughs) talked about our greatest challenges and how they fight and their difficulties with managing money and whether or not they're going to have children in the next three years. Mm -hmm. This couple said that the way they would describe one another is, I just say, remember how this loving person brightens your day with joy and delight, right? And for them, it's going to trigger back to that memory of that conversation and those deep moments and all of the things that matter. No one else in the room is going to get that. Mm -hmm. But they know. And that's what matters in that moment. Mm -hmm. So we go for them from the homily to like a statement about marriage, a general statement about marriage that they have chosen. And then typically, most couples choose to have a little bit of an I do moment or an I will moment, like a declaration moment. As sort of the vows part of the whole thing? Before the vows. Okay. That goes right before the vows is to have a, do you intend to enter into marriage? If so, please say, I will or I do. Okay. And then the vows. And then for after the exchange of vows, pretty normally comes the exchange of rings. Mm-hmm. Some couples are choosing to incorporate the binding, like the Wiccan ritual okay, of the binding of knots. And so I've done that twice now where they have actually tied laces, which is a totally different thing. And I've had to learn how to do that well okay, and incorporate it with integrity. What else have people? Oh, the sand ritual pouring sand that comes after the rings people might do the sand where they pour the sand into the jar together or the unity candle that's the only one i'm familiar with where they light the unity candle Mm -hmm. together or they have a wine glass where they pour the wine together and then they drink from the one cup all those things were things of many yep Mm -hmm. the many things become one thing all of those things do the same thing They all come from different backgrounds. They all have different spiritual significance. Mm -hmm. They all are coming from a different place and are traditions that are honored in different ways. And for those who choose them, 
they often are symbols of many things becoming one thing. Mm -hmm. And so that often happens after the rings. Sometimes then families will do something if there are children from one or the other of the spouses. Mm -hmm. There might be a presentation to the children and some kind of offering to include them into the new family unit. I've had some very beautiful moments where the new step-parent has given the child a new piece of jewelry or a new item in order to symbolically welcome them in their new relationship. Mm -hmm. So there are some just lovely moments that can be added. And then there is, of course, at that point, the kind of celebratory announcement and the kiss. Mm -hmm. And then I do this thing that just throws all of the modern bridal wedding planners off. Okay. Because I don't end the wedding there, even though that's what they expect. So after the kiss, I come back in, and as the first act of marriage, I step back in and bless the couple. Okay. And even if it has been up until that point a completely non-faith-based ceremony... They have come to me as a Christian pastor, and they have asked me to preside. And I have had a few weddings where they have asked for completely secular services. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to this point, and I have said, you understand you have asked me as a Christian pastor to preside at your wedding. This is not an optional piece of the wedding. Really? I will be blessing your union. I do not have to do so in the name of a triune God if that makes you feel uncomfortable. I can bless it in the name of what is divine. I can use that term. But you have specifically asked a clergy person to preside at your wedding. Uh huh. Not a justice of the peace, not a retired judge. Not somebody who got their certification from the back of the Rolling Stone. That's right. You have asked a clergy person who is credentialed through a church, I am going to bless this. And as the first act of marriage, that is what I do. I give options Mm -hmm. for the different kinds of wording, and they can choose what kind of wording that they want. But I then put my hand on theirs with their permission, of course, consent is everything, and I bless the marriage and then do a benediction and then re-announce them and send them down the aisle. So all up, 20 to 25 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. And it can go everywhere from like super, super traditional, if that's what a couple chooses, filled with all kinds of like speak now or forever hold mm-hmm. your peace mm-hmm. kind of stuff, to hey, y'all, we're getting hitched today. Uh-huh. It can go any way that people want it. It is their choice. When you get down to the brass tacks, though, there is nothing about the actual ceremony that is necessary for them to be married. It all comes down to the paperwork, right? I want them to exchange vows Uh in front of two witnesses. Okay. So the two spouses. Sure. Two witnesses. Okay. Everyone must be sober enough. Okay. To be able to enter into a legal relationship they must exchange vows and promises and then they have to sign the legal documentation okay that's it 
Are you a sign after everything's done or sign before person? Sign after. Sign after. I one time in my years of doing this, I filled out the paperwork ahead of time. I have done it once and I will never do it again. (laughs) All righty then. (laughs) Okay, so do you have tips then for people who are starting to go down this path of planning a wedding? Focus more on planning for your marriage than you do for your wedding. That makes perfect sense. It also seems like something that people are not going to do. <laughs> I know. I know. But one could hope. It's worth saying. It's worth saying. Spend maybe at least one day a month in the months leading up to your wedding day trying to talk about your marriage as much as you talk about your wedding. <laughs> Solid advice. When it comes to your wedding day, I always give the tip to take your wedding rings or engagement rings off early in the day. Oh, okay. Because hand swelling when you are nervous is very, very common. Okay. And rings get stuck. And so taking them off early and putting them in the boxes or giving them to the people who are going to have them for the ceremony. It's very lovely, very good to do. And then when you are exchanging rings, when you go to put the ring on your beloved, if it gets stuck at the second knuckle, it is not an omen. It does not say anything about you. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong. This is human chemistry. Please don't push it. Please just let it stop there and let your beloved finish placing it all the rest of the Mm -hmm. way on their finger. That's all you need to do. It just means that your beloved is excited and joyful to be doing this with you. But human hands swell. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take that advice, keep your hand above your head for like one to three minutes Vaseline. That's good enough. Hand under cold water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Little tips. (laughs) Love it. Knees bent. No locked knees. No, no, no locked. A lady never locks her knees is something (laughs) that I remember somebody telling me very long time ago. And before the wedding, eat something with protein and drink at least half as much water, if not three quarters to as much water as you do alcohol before the wedding. What you do after is not a problem. Totally up to you, Mm -hmm. but be sober enough to enter into a legal contract before your wedding. Solid advice. (laughs) Okay. I got to know what kind of things... Other than the obvious that we now have couples of every gender mix and whatever, what else has changed since you started officiating? So many more venue weddings. Oh, sure. That makes sense. It is so rare to actually do an indoor wedding. Oh, even indoors, not even just a church? Yeah. Huh. I don't do that many weddings. The retired judge in our congregation does far more weddings than I do. Sure. And I can't remember, like I've done one indoor wedding during COVID, but beyond that, I can't remember the last indoor wedding I've really done. 
almost all of them have been outdoors. Everyone is doing outdoor wedding venues. It seems like such a bold choice. The last thing I want to worry about is what the weather is going to be doing for my wedding. (laughs) I guess I remember I did one for a friend that was indoors, but that was a pastor and it was at a church. Mm -hmm. But church weddings are not common, not common at all. And the few that I've done in our church sanctuary have been very small attendants, Mm -hmm. like the couple and a couple of individuals who are there to be witnesses. Interesting. So not very many people at all. It's still beautiful and holy, but informal. Mm -hmm. People coming in and being like, okay, where do you want to stand? Do you want to stand by the table? where we focus on sharing meals together? Do you want to stand at the font where we focus on community and acceptance and love with one another? Like, where would you like to stand? The five of us as we do this, that kind of a ceremony, holy moments, very quiet moments. And I have done far more queer ceremonies than I have done for heterosexual couples in the last decade. Oh, wow. Far more. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question then. What is your favorite part about marrying people? That's a great question. I am so spoiled getting to see their eyes as they look at each other during their vows. There are always different moments with each couple that are a little bit different to find, but there's Mm -hmm. always some like little sacred moment that is stunning. Oftentimes in the past, I've had the couple turn towards me for the blessing. And so it's been this beautiful moment where it's this little huddle, this little holy huddle where the three of us are leaning in and my hand is on theirs for the blessing. And I kind of loved that. But this last time I had them turn to the gathered community and I had them facing out and I had my hand on theirs. And it actually was nice because it included everyone and I kind of liked that a lot. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a private moment, Mm -hmm. but that was kind of okay. So I'll probably do it that way for the time to come. But I really have always loved that, like, turning in, don't look at everybody looking at you. In this first moment of your marriage, like, Mm -hmm. look at each other. Be right here. This is where you start. And it's going to be okay. And I have loved that moment a lot. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for helping us learn a little more about planning a wedding service. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you are interested in learning more about planning a service or if you would like a copy of those documents, I am happy to share them with you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.